0: I'm gonna do like a like a UFC style intro for Krug, okay? Oh wow! So, I don't uh, know if I can handle that. Yeah, imagine that uh, the uh, Chicago Bulls intro music starts playing. The song uh, is uh Serious" by the Alan Parsons Project. Mm-hmm. It's what they play when the players are coming on. It's very uh. awesome. We no way we could get rights to it, <laughs> but uh, can we
1: hum it? I don't know. What the-
0: it's the yeah. I'm not gonna try to hum it, <laughs> but we don't have the rights to that, so we can't actually play that on the thing. That would be a very expensive song to get rights to. But okay, Sirius by the Alan Parsons Project starts playing. And Bruce Buffer is in the center of the arena. Because ladies and gentlemen, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. Not live, uh, but recorded, actually. Here from the sold-out My Kitchen Table in Central Ohio, this is All on the Field. Uh, For the first time on the program, we have a special guest uh, speaking out of the red corner holding a professional record as an engineer and a slightly less professional record, but still incredibly impressive record as an off-road navigation rally driver. She's an aspiring journalist and editorialist standing like five foot nothing inches tall. well, she's sitting. Weighing in somewhere <laughs> between the weight of a house cat and the weight of a Jeep coming to you (laughs) from the other side of the room the one the only it's tasha the thug (laughs) and then the crowd does that thing where they like say Krug, and it sounds like they're booing but they're actually supporting you
2: what Uh, (laughs) thanks for having me yeah
1: welcome to the podcast aka krug the thug krug the thug that
2: is my nickname as it's known in arthur's house
0: yeah well also i suppose sometimes in kevin's house
2: uh true fair and yeah. also
0: my house, but yes. So we have our first guest here. A very impressive person. <laughs> if the uh, intro is anything to go on. Um, I'm impressed. Yeah. We- yeah,
2: I weigh almost as much as a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> well, less than a Jeep, more than a house cat.
0: I mean, we're trying to be specific here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how they introduce fighters, right? That's what the, uh, you have like heavyweight, and then you have <laughs> super heavyweight, which is just anything less than a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so today's topic that we will be talking about with these highly qualified individuals is uh, the value of athletic and competitive participation, even if you're not getting paid for it and receiving actual value in return for your efforts. So uh, all of us have at some point participated in youth sports, 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 sports.
2: Kevin's never, ever participated in any team
1: Not in his life. I actually hate sports. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why I'm part of this activity. Yes. Education only.
2: Um, But there's definitely
0: like a cultural, whatever myth ethos around how valuable people claim sports are for children. Like people act like every life lesson a person could possibly need to know in their entire life is learned by like whatever, playing youth soccer or something, which there are important lessons learned, but there's also some maybe bad lessons that are taught and also... A fair amount of nonsense. Um, but then also we were gonna talk about value of continuing to do sports and athletic stuff as an adult because even if all, you
1: don't get paid for it.
0: Even if you don't get paid for it. Yes. Not everybody can be
1: uh <laughs> LeBron.
0: Kawhi. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Nobody else can be Kawhi. No, only one. Unless they build another one.
0: <laughs> no spare parts around.
1: <laughs> no.
0: Uh, But yeah, so I was thinking that we would start off just by discussing um, the things that people generally claim are like the reasons that it's good to get your kids into sports, Um, but how nobody ever discusses like that. I think a lot of sports, especially like boys sports are super, super toxic at the youth level because a lot of the time the coaches are like fully unqualified volunteers and like you've got
1: parents trying to push the agenda that their kids the next big thing and then they try to shove that down this coach's throat who's just there to help out and have fun
0: well i think you also get a lot of the situation where um like a kid could have like a super good home life and gets like the alcoholic dad treatment from a terrible coach
1: you know yeah life lesson sort of <laughs> Not the way you want to learn it, but uh Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I
0: had made a little list of things that uh people generally say are good things about sports for kids. I figured we'd run through some of these and maybe dissect them a little bit. Uh so I guess. There are the various very obvious ones like that it teaches like teamwork, hard work, leadership. It gets you outside stuff. and active and moving. That's true. Um there's other ones that are like it teaches kids to never ever give up and that's pitched as if it's like the best possible thing you could teach a child.
2: Never ever yeah. give up, yet there are like mercy rules. There are mercy rules and also like <laughs> sometimes you need to quit. Yeah.
1: Quit while you're ahead is also a cliche phrase, right? So how can both of those exist <laughs> together?
0: I don't think that yeah. one's from sports, I would not assume. No.
1: <laughs> But.
0: Stop the cow!
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll but yeah, that's what you do when you pull your starters and put them on the bench late. They're <laughs> quitting while they're ahead because I guess the dream is to stay ahead. Like I feel like it comes to an asterisk though. I don't know. Like it's not quit full stop. is different from like learn to quit. Like even if quit full stop means quit year one activity full stop. Like forever. Like I'm gonna quit soccer forever because this was really bad and I'm not enjoying it. Like actually okay (laughs) but probably you don't quit the greater overarching activity which is trying to go do things where you can learn and grow and where you
0: can try to get better at something yeah
1: but sometimes you're doing a thing and you should quit because you're not (laughs) gaining value from it and it is retracting from your potential to gain value from other things
2: and you're hurting your team basically if it's a team sport yeah like
0: Maybe a a better interpretation of a lesson to be learned is like it teaches you how to be like a realistic person, you know, like, um, I, like I remember when I was playing high school football, when I was a freshman, we had this coach who was phenomenal. And there were a group of seniors and juniors that were super, super talented. And that year we went to the semifinals of the playoffs and got knocked out in the state playoffs there. But everybody in my grade, like, had sort of like, that's your baseline. You come in as freshman and you're killing it. And the team's really good. And then after that season, that coach left. And the new coach that came in was God awful. Very much this like alcoholic dad thing. He was just a terrible dude. And toxic coach, super toxic coach, terrible environment. Like the kind of guy who thought that he could just like yell you. If he yelled loud enough, everybody would just like gain 40 pounds of muscle i don't know like that's what he seemed to approach it you like you would
2: hulk out right but his <laughs> expectation
0: that he had set for the team and that people you know your kids you're trying to figure out what to do like sort of leaned into was like oh you know the team before you and the coach before me was like fantastic and went to state so we're going to try to do that every year and i think that my sophomore year the varsity team went you know like 5 and 5 my junior year went like Three and seven and my senior year we went one and nine
2: winners setting
0: objectives to go win a state championship when you have like a bad coach and just like not the physical talent on the team to do it like probably take some fun out of it yeah super unrealistic goal to be like we're going to try to do this thing that is like quite literally impossible you know
2: at that point you're just i guess training the kids to
0: quit Well, you're training them to not quit no matter what, which I think is a bad habit. Or like you're training them to to not be content with anything but the highest possible level of
2: success. Yeah, I guess you have opposite ends of spectrums for some people will stick with it because it's a sport and that's what they're doing and others are. Give me the F out of here.
0: Like the one game we won hmm. was like the second to last game of the season. And we were all super stoked as players. What a game. Good God. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. And the coach was like mad that people were happy about that. What? We're like, dude, like <laughs> we're here because of the situation, like the crappy expectations and bad coaching that you put us in. Like we're going to be happy. We pulled one out.
2: So he was mad that you were
0: celebrating he was mad that we were celebrating what a was victory a, what, that was
1: less than the total goal
0: yeah he was mad that we were celebrating in the context oh, of a one and eight very season. very
2: end it was like
0: a, it was okay. a one in eight season we had one game left after that and we were stoked that we finally won a game like it was mostly like excited relief like we're not going to go fully beaten you know but so that's that's bad like people claim that one of the lessons you teach your kids is, like never give up always keep fighting like you know, chase your goal no matter what but like, i think that's a bad lesson
1: in a vacuum yes i think like yeah i think it's important to assign specificity to that notion though like, like for you what should... you're saying like i think generally speaking like people should probably not give up ever at trying to progress as a person which is like maybe that's just because it's like built into my brain but like that's like the de facto like why do i do an activity because that's the desired outcome mm-hmm. like which includes sports of course but Depends.
0: Yeah, I mean, you should never stop chasing goals in general, but individual goals?
1: Maybe there's also a discussion to be had with the separation of uh, goal setting and expectation setting and desire setting, because those can all be three different things. Like, your coach had this goal for the team of, like, let's win the championship. Like, sort of, if you zoom really far out, like, that's the correct goal for a sports team, but... If like that can be your goal, like we're going to be the best that we can be, which would mean that we win the championship. But if you scale that in and you're like, well, these are the circumstances, so maybe we should have expectations that are not that. And then if you have even more than that, you can like say, well, hopefully we can at least do this. And then you can achieve your hopes, you can achieve your expectations, and then maybe you can achieve like the actual goal, but you aren't limited to only finding success with the one goal. Like, I don't know, sometimes expecting that the only like expecting and demanding the outcome to just be the goal is not is not fruitful for everybody especially especially in a world where there's sometimes or too often too much like gravity placed on by parents on children on like you guys can become the next thing. And kids grow up watching sports and watching TV shows about the sports stars in the school. And it's like, oh, like, I can do this, but the only way is by relentlessly working forever and ever and ever. And if I don't do it and don't succeed, then, like, I'm a failure. And it's like, that's not necessarily true. Can't stop, if, won't stop. Yeah, you're also if, not healthy. Exactly, yeah. If you're drilling in that, like, the pinnacle is the only target and it's <laughs> the only acceptable one and you can't extract joy or lessons from anything else, you're going to deter everybody except for like the elite few or those who i don't know are just numb to disappointment and not enjoyment yeah
0: yeah i mean i I understand what you're saying that obviously for a given sports team the structured objective that everybody in the league is playing for is a championship but like yes a reasonable goal might have been like if the cards fall right and we do our absolute best, we can maybe make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. you know, anything beyond that's just bonus and great. But like setting a goal that's truly unattainable, I think it does have a demotivating aspect because like kids are often naive, but they're not stupid, right? Like you play that first game against a team that just demolishes you and you realize like, Oh, like we just don't have like people that are fast enough, big enough, strong enough like to do this thing like we're just gonna get smoked and that's obviously demotivating if you set some lofty ambition that you're not, like there's no way in hell
1: yeah i mean i think the whole point of sports is being able to measure some growth and progress and usually that's done statistically by how many goals you scored how many games you won how much you won by but if your goal is so lofty and you're like you have a nice like you're measuring it on an axis that's the scale is so removed from what is an expectation that when you go to look at your like graph of progress at the end of the season it's going to look like you did nothing but i'm sure if you go to each person on the team well i'm not sure but ideally uh you go to each person on the team and like they've all learned something and they've all grown but if you zoom out too far and you just look at the like sheer pinnacle then they will feel like they did nothing yep that's sad sports are supposed to be fun Things are more fun if you enjoy them, guys. <laughs> Kevin Sheldon Mod is going to get that tattooed across <laughs> his chest. Yeah,
2: Hydrate, not dehydrate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Um, the other side of the coin for kids sports, you mentioned this, is like toxic environments for athletics. I think in boys sports, in male sports, it's super obvious what that component is. Like you teach these like whatever definition toxic masculine stuff like you never show an injury and show no weakness and tough it up and like also like a lot of degrading Feel stuff no fear yeah. well, but also like degrading stuff of like grown coaches saying like don't be a girl and don't play like a girl and whatever that you know, whatever has bad downstream effects there's bad impacts everywhere yeah, <laughs> yeah. bad effects I everywhere mean, <laughs> it, it normalizes like that as being weakness to kids who are super super impressionable Yep. Um but I was curious do you, are are you aware of any like toxic sports things that happen on like the women's side of youth sports?
2: Oh yeah, 100%. For
0: the so, guys stuff it's obvious.
2: So, guys stuff and maybe a coach that's heading all of the nasty stuff, but at the same time a coach for like a girls league still kind of has to manage the team and if the team is basically bullying one player for not like either pulling her weight or doing whatever as well as someone else it doesn't get kind of just squashed it's then like i guess taken to another level where the coach then stops really like helping you so you're
0: saying that there's like a culture where the coaches are Unlikely to intervene.
2: Coaches are unlikely to intervene, and then they also are disconnected from players. Just from a teenager standpoint, right? Us uh, female teenagers do not like talking to adults about anything, and are super sassy and won't take anybody's shit for anything. But
1: but now you will take people's shit for some things.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Is that the lesson? <laughs> not quite please don't do that no Uh, (laughs) i I will deny (laughs) (laughs) um but i don't know as a kid playing i don't know i started out in soccer and growing up playing soccer it changed dramatically from elementary school versus like middle school and high school At the same time, you have teams that are so close knit sometimes that Mm -hmm. you, like I moved from North Carolina to Virginia and basically the only way to have any kind of help from adult faculty was to join a sports team. And if you're good enough for the sports team, then you become like enveloped by these close. Like the community adopts you finally. Yeah. But until you are good enough at that point, a coach won't like tell you the next steps of how you can be better so that you can make the team or it's just kind of a you are or you aren't mentality, I guess
1: it's interesting sorry this might just be like a total pivot so sorry pivot um, away it's i'm just sitting here considering the role that high school plays in people's participation and opinion of sports is interesting to consider because you sort of i don't know if it's what you're meaning to convey but as you talked about like progressing through soccer and like life in that sport like as you get to high school and you start to have teams where there's like a threshold that has to be met to participate in teams especially at big schools and like you We'll just like weed people out of the sport who might have enjoyed it a lot as a kid and a big part of high school culture and partially just the convenience of it is like if you're not doing it for your high school, like it's very uncommon to, to do it. Like if you're doing it outside of high school, like usually, at least in my experience, like you're probably on like a travel team, in which case you're really good and also probably doing it for your high school. But right. like so many of the people who would recreationally enjoy it and like won't really do it outside of high school because maybe there's some stigma. Maybe I'm making it up, but... No, I think that's a good point. I like, didn't... There's
0: not a recreational structure for non-competitive sports, sports during for that like age teenagers.
1: Bracket. Yeah. And it causes some weird gap. And then like I would have loved to play in like recreational basketball leagues for all the years that I didn't play in middle school or high school and they never happened. I don't know if it's I because if they they exist. Exist. So, like, yeah, that's part of it. They just weren't really out there.
2: From that standpoint, though, I played on a travel soccer team in North Carolina and the Castle Soccer is the, I guess, company that runs it, but they have everything from like the u10s or whatever so super tiny kids all the way up through like world elite which basically does nationals Mm -hmm. and all of that other stuff but from uh, yeah i guess it's a sport dependent thing as well as like hockey is another example Mm -hmm. like certain places hockey is a much bigger role whether you're in like minnesota or wisconsin or like raleigh north carolina where the hurricanes are everyone plays hockey but when you get to high school you basically are kind of looking for resume boosters too and if you put you like, like college a, admissions and yeah stuff or, for college yeah. and your employment <laughs> yeah straight out straight out of high school um but it's it's very difficult to kind of list recreational sports with high school because then it brings up the question of, oh, well, why didn't you play on your high school team? And a high school team typically has a lot more uh, involved with it. Mm -hmm. So hours wise, which I guess looks better to college admissions people. Mm -hmm. But I think from that standpoint, If you don't make the high school team, your confidence is kind of shattered and then you won't really go out for rec sports.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if it's just me, but it like I felt like I mean, there sort of is even now as like adults, but like in some circles, there's like a stigma against like doing rec sports because they don't matter. And like, so in high school, like that was a thing. Like, why are you playing in this league when you could be playing for school? Like, what's the point? Like, it's fun. Like, it was, I don't know, people who, found like intramurals in college like I feel like people have rediscovered them with intramurals in college a little bit like oh like I can play this organized sport just for fun and like yeah doesn't really Always matter fun. like you can and it can be a little bit organized because honestly it just helps people show up and play it and, like that's 90% of the purpose like we have like I'm on these volleyball teams and every week we need to like find people to substitute because people can't make it every week so like you can sort of extrapolate from that like we try to organize like weekly basketball at work it has not happened in like <laughs> eight weeks like yeah because it's not formally organized like, it just is a really useful structure and opportunity to promote playing the thing.
0: Well, I think that, yeah, there, there are the two stigmas. One stigma is why are you doing an activity that like big air quotes doesn't matter. And the other is, um, people who performed at any competitive level in a sport in the past seem to have some portion of their ego like anchored to whatever status they previously had. And so when they play recreational sports and maybe it's a sport they didn't play previously and they're just like, they're bad. Like they don't do this professionally. They, um, I think are discouraged from doing it because it is an ego hit. Like when we were doing basketball, you know, recreational basketball, um, Every time there's a billion comments from people like not criticizing them for making these, but there's a billion comments from people like apologizing for poor quality of play and like apologizing for not being able to jump and apologizing for not being able to rebound and apologizing for not being able to shoot. Like, I'm guilty of this too. Like, you know, having the ball, everyone's like, shoot. And I'm like, I don't want to, like, it's not going to go in. Like, I'd rather, you know, somebody else took it. But you can tell when there's a difference between like, it's a person who maybe shows up and then is almost like embarrassed that they're not incredibly talented at this, despite the fact that they're like a 35 year old engineer. Like no, you're not LeBron James and nobody expects you to be.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I agree with that. Kevin has been trying to get me to play basketball for, I don't know how long at this point, at least a year. And I, I have. (laughs) Yes. You, every time you go and like either like,
1: Shoot with Derek
2: or whatever. It's a oh you should come and do this thing. It's like, yeah, okay, I can stand there and like shoot a ball. Okay.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. Okay. So I think the first time I ever witnessed you shooting a basketball was in Sacramento when there was a basketball at this Airbnb location. And yeah, we, it was random. Yep. And I was like, I'm going to go do this because it seems like a fun thing to do for 30 minutes this morning. And you're like, I haven't touched a basketball in, I don't know, like oh, 10 years like or something outrageous school, like that. Yeah. And then like within 10 attempts at shooting the ball, you looked like a person who had to shoot a basketball and were like... Not necessarily making all of them, but, like, they all had chances are and you, looked like real things. Are you a prodigal talent who's yeah, just been
0: hiding <laughs> that from us? I was like that. We talked about the
1: talent and skill thing, and she's just like, oh, I can't do this. And I'm like, you look more comfortable than, like, some like people. If LeBron James didn't shoot a basketball for a decade, he'd look a little bit
0: rusty for a few minutes. <laughs>
1: I feel like I'm like rusty with the basketball after like a week of not touching. <laughs> I don't know how people like can just not do it for months and then be like, oh yeah, like I've only barely ever played this and then mostly look comfortable and feel yeah. comfortable with it. Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah.
2: No. <laughs> what
1: do you mean though? <laughs> no. you. you. You yes. <laughs>
0: um well I guess on the on the note of doing things that are like competitive recreational activities that maybe quote unquote like don't matter or at least you're not getting paid for both of you guys have done very competitive motorsport related things true sort of for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> participating in the team like if it's a nascar team like the dude who holds the wheel gun is part of the team like that's participation you've done it's true i did hold equivalent a wheel gun. or greater than that <laughs> a level of activity um so do you want to talk about rebel rally related things Uh,
2: i can what 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 is is rebel rally rebel rally is an eight-day off-road navigation rally basically it covers 1500 miles and it's all women um they're typically 45 ish
1: Quick interjection. In the motorsports world, a rally involves driving from a point to a point. It is not just a large gathering of people. And
2: it is, yeah.
1: (laughs) Not that kind of rally. And there are
2: are different (laughs) speeds of rallies. This is not like a WRC speed. No, this is not a stage rally. Yes. Not a stage rally. But it's also not like weird old
0: navigation rally that people did in the 60s where it's like, drive from this bar to this library and you can only use a map and your instincts. Like, yeah. no, it's just purchase these items
1: from the menu. Yeah. Like, the <laughs> one, one
0: thing, thing you need is, is a safety drive. triangle. No, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> just the one. Yeah. It's it, it, what you're doing is a combination of that navigation and almost like geocaching, like, trying to find a particular point with off-road driving component as well. Like you have to.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of technical driving as well as the whole navigation aspect. So navigating, you don't have a GPS. You have, well, sometimes have coordinates. And then sometimes you have like headings and bearings, which is basically a distance Mm -hmm. and a relative angle. So like on a compass, it's 360 degrees, things like that and those are what you use to find all of your points and not all of them are marked so it makes it quite interesting when you get lost (laughs) but um it's it's a completely different thing that i don't know if anyone from our generation has really used an actual physical map no i like i grew up Basically planning routes for my grandparents with the RV because RV sizing, you can't take it on all roads. So (laughs) (laughs) kind of had to find, find roads you can go on. Yeah. But outside of that, I didn't do a whole lot.
0: So, so for this event, we've been describing it as non-professional, but still competitive, right? So like the level of competition here
1: is sort of professional.
0: Um, Fringe, fringe professional.
1: It's the interesting intersection of hobbyists and people who were basically paid by large manufacturers to yes. do it.
0: No, I guess here's the like, yeah. almost all. It is an like, international even GT, competition. Even GT3 motorsport can be recreational. True. If there is deep pockets an amateur and do it. Category, Oh yeah, probably. if you have, you have enough can, money, you can you do can, just
2: about anything. You
0: can buy your way into a series as like the weird like archetype of like the gentleman driver who you just like pay a really good race team yeah, to have a car like, ready like for a category
1: you. for amateurs. Oh Pro yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: But this is like highly competitive in terms of who is like sending teams, right? Um
2: yeah. So there are OEMs that are sending teams. OEMs are original. Uh, yes, original equipment manufacturers. Like car companies. So, well, I mean, you can have any kind of OEM, but yes, car companies will basically hire journalists to drive their cars. Um In this event to basically showcase yeah basically to showcase what it can do off-road um i think this past year it was only honda and toyota who sent actual engineers with the cars as opposed to just kind of donating a car to a team and paying the team to make it make it yeah to make it look awesome but there are also like international People who come over from Mm -hmm. like South Africa or Europe who do rallies all the time and are stunt drivers or off-road instructors and things like that. So there are completely.
0: So it's a broad swath of like people that are dedicated to this at different levels,
2: right? And then yeah, if you're new, you're a rookie. So then you are designated with a nice rookie badge. Nice.
0: So we'll come back to
2: rebel stuff, but kevin do you want to
0: talk about pike's peak a little bit and sort of how it in some ways follows a similar model of like super crazy competitive down to like weird dudes who like build their own cars and stuff
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's a very interesting melting pot of an event so there's a mountain in colorado (laughs) it's called pike's peak and it's iconic for a very long time it actually inspired the song america the beautiful um uh Anyway, or it was written atop the mountain. Some some story similar to that. Anyway, <laughs> it's a mountain. It's very cool. And there is an automotive race that's been running for a very long time. Next summer will be the 100th time, actually, um, where cars drive from near the bottom of the mountain in the road that goes up it to the summit. And it's super... Which is how long? Uh Oh, man. What is it? 12 miles or something? Anyways, was, yeah. It's, it's a little over 4,000 vertical feet, uh, which is... A big challenge of in an climbing, not actual roadway. Yes. Leg. Yeah. Um, of elevation change, yes. Yes. Elevation. of elevation change. And from an engineering standpoint, that makes it very interesting because cars that require oxygen to perform combustion uh suffer massive loss of oxygen as you go from 10,000 feet to 14,000 feet. And the weather can change, and it's lots of twisty, turny driver has to know exactly where they are. Or they'll do something like forget and drive off of a corner that they didn't know was there into the woods. Uh, So it's really an extreme environment for a car and for an engineer to create a car and for a driver to be operating a car. Um, But very cool event. And the barriers to entry though are not super substantial. You need some kind of driving resume to prove that you've done some number of track events or track days or something. And you need uh, to pay like $1,500 and you need to have a car that meets the safety requirements. And then you can go show up. And so... There's like a father-son duo with Mitsubishi Lancer Evos, and there's somebody with a triple turbocharged Volkswagen Beetle and <laughs> a their
2: Cummins, yeah.
1: 1949 Ford F1 pickup truck that is like a thousand one hundred horsepower diesel truck crazy thing. And then you've got like people coming with six hundred thousand dollar Porsche's and <laughs> Bentley showed up. It. Bentley came from the UK with a car and a team to try to win the outright event and Anyway, you get the entire spectrum from a guy with a project car who shows up for fun every year to like OEMs bringing all the money and all the engineering resources because it's a very like sort of a notable event throughout the automotive year for, for racing. It's not like a major, major headline one, but every year some stuff will turn up in the media from it because it's an interesting thing. But anyway, through our... Uh, employment life with honda acura there's this i guess what what tasha also does which is basically you can volunteer on time outside of work and uh support the effort to be part of a race team and it's sort of the trade-off of they get cool marketing value and you get to do really cool stuff and so we spend a bunch of time trying to make race cars for this event and i didn't get to drive i actually did drive one of the race cars up part of the mountain but Wow. It was just from one parking lot to the place where we were going to start the race. You are basically a valet. Pretty much, yeah. It was a high-stress valet activity, man. (laughs) Driving a vehicle on slick tires out of a muddy parking lot in the rain. Yeah. And then up the mountain, crazy stuff. And then, like, having to park it without having any mirrors while a ton of people are around. And we stopped all the traffic both directions (laughs) to stage our cars in the perfect spot. Uh, But anyway, it, it... it is cool because you have people who show up and like their objective is very literally like to enjoy the experience and the time and come back with all their equipment and themselves in one piece. And like a guy who drives his car from Washington to race every year. Awesome. Oh, the Mustang? Yeah. yeah. And then you've got teams that show up looking to win it all or bust. And yeah, I was going
0: to say, I'm, I'm confused in both your situations. You guys do not do this professionally and you're not guaranteed to like compete for the number one position and go win all the glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why, why are you doing it? It doesn't big air quotes matter. It's fun.
1: It's a challenge. It's an opportunity to learn and to become better at a thing and to be able to measure your results against other people, which is a way of holding yourself accountable for performance but and it's also race sense. cars. So yeah, it's, <laughs> mountains.
2: Of, uh, yeah, well, it's a no that's, that's Pike's peak with just the mountains for rebel it's i don't know it's a super fun activity and you get to work on cars that honda pays for and you get parts (laughs) that is paid for by honda and then you can basically have a project car outside of work so it definitely aligns with like hobbies and things but it's it's also just fun to win (laughs) that's true yeah i feel like
0: like the continued like It seems to me for any recreational, like competitive activity, when kids are really, really young, you teach them, like, do this because it's fun. Like, it's valuable to do things that you enjoy. And then it is somewhere in high school and college angry coaches beat that attitude out of them just by shouting them down and making them run drills. If they laugh when the coach is talking and like just punishing them for trying to enjoy a thing like agnostic of what the level of performance is. And like, I think that a lot of adults have to relearn how to just do fun things because they're fun and they make you feel good.
1: Like, yeah, this is something that I can sort of, Additionally, touch on a little bit firsthand, but a lot of secondhand because I did track and field collegiately, and I guess made a number of friends who did other sports collegiately. And there's a, for most people, a little bit for me and a lot more for other people, like a. Mm-hmm saying you're lost is definitely way too, at least for me, way too strong a word. But people do lose a lot of the sense of purpose of going to go do sports. And like a lot of people I did track with, like, which is totally fine if you don't want to do it. But they're just like, why would I keep running? Why would I do that? I just did that for all these years when it mattered. Like, I have no reason to do it anymore. Why would I do it? And I'm kind of like, wow, I, I wasn't any good in college, but I did it. And it was fun. And it was a way to measure myself. And like... It's crazy to me that people can finish competing in something at such a level and like put all this time and effort and energy into something to like play basketball in college, and then get out and just be like, like, well, it doesn't matter anymore. So why would I keep doing it? I'm like, what? Like you play. didn't enjoy it? Like I went through some very brief period with some of the stuff. I guess I mostly like some workouts. I just like stopped doing because like this was sort of torture for my body, which right. is maybe different. <laughs> I enjoyed, enjoyed it though. though. Like I always enjoyed lifting in college, but. I sort of just don't do it as much anymore because I don't feel the need to do that to myself anymore. And I don't know. It's just sort of interesting. I went through like a mini version of like, wow, all these other sports, like there's not like an actual concrete goal. And then I sort of remind myself that I was never actually competing for those in college because it wasn't that good. And then I remind myself that now I can do all of the basketball that I want. And if I get hurt, it only impacts me and nobody will get mad at me for it. That was a really big epiphany for me was that I could play all the basketball again and there was no coach to yell at me for being stupid and reckless. That's good.
0: Yeah, I think that there's value in just doing stuff because you enjoy it. I also think that there's value in doing things that are particularly like difficult and challenging. Yes. Because like if you're thinking about all the things that you have to factor in that like make you feel accomplished and make you feel good about your life like and about your career and whatever people do puzzles for fun like yeah yeah do stuff that's hard but so much of the focus when you're an adult when you're all grown up is that you're supposed to just mostly focus <laughs> on like your career do things for career development and do things to like acquire money and do things for these very narrow reasons and there are going to be like periods of time where your career sucks and like you're stagnating and you're frustrated and you're not growing the way you want to and having having other things that you can focus on, where you're able to like, ah, oh, I put work into a thing, and in some capacity that I personally value, like I'm able to progress, I'm able to like prove to myself, that like I can set a goal and make a plan and do the thing and have X result that I'm happy about, whether that's a skill development or like getting stronger or whatever. It's always nice to
1: get a win. Yeah. No matter how small. And, no matter uh, where it comes from
0: in in other parts of your life a lot of the time the determining factor for whether or not you're going to get a win is not up to you at all like it's just how the cart like just how the chips fall whatever like it's either going to go your way or it's not regardless of what you do and so being able to like have something that largely you control what you get out of it i think is super super valuable like i think that most people in the country in the world would just be like mentally a lot healthier if they did some recreational challenging thing that was fun
2: well i mean it's also scientifically beneficial for people so i mean it makes you feel good because you're releasing endorphins and everything else so i think oh i can't count the number of times
1: where i like felt like i was having a lousy day and then just like go take 30 minutes and go like bike or jog to the neighborhood and come back and like ready to do whatever i was so miserable at before
2: yeah
0: it just science science <laughs> rules and it's a good social outlet because like a lot of people build their social lives entirely just with like work people and don't realize that like your work people are not by definition like your friends a lot of the time like they are there to you're there to like just get things from each other like extract value from each other you can be friends though. you can be friends but you're not like you don't you know that's not going to be the case for everybody
1: there's a larger sample size of people available to uh find friends in.
0: Yes. And I think a lot of people like you hear all the time about like guys in their like sixties who literally just don't have a friend. It's like, ah, yep, like I go to work, I come home, and then like I don't don't do anything. Wow, that is that's very sad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds laugh, super boring. But, like,
0: Yeah. (laughs) It is. It is very sad. And there's a million ways that person could have some other form of community, but you just have to actually do it. I don't know. Sports are great. Sports are great. Well, it's, yeah,
1: fun. (laughs) You get to do stuff and learn (laughs) things about yourself and other people and you move around a little bit and...
0: Kevin just did a very wiggly body gesture. Yeah. Yeah. Nice
1: squiggle. Little wiggle wiggle. Like the inflatable guys (laughs) advertising outside of like, I just backed from the microphone as I said that, but you know, the inflatable wavy man yes yeah. every, every
0: car dealership every uh-huh. car dealership that's worth shopping at at exactly, least Exactly. Oh, yeah if yeah.
1: so I don't have one just keep driving sure unless you don't have a car and that's why you're going there but. <laughs> <Just> walking <laughs>
2: yeah. hey that's Make exercise
1: sure to, yeah just wait for the wavy man
0: <laughs> okay well this has been all on the field
2: I'm Arthur I'm Kevin I'm Tasha Krug the Thug yes Krug, Krug the, thug. the Thug
1: Krug, <laughs> Krug. Yeah. 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 Krug. Krug. Sports. Sports, sports, sports. Uh, you can
0: follow the podcast on Twitter at AOTF pod. You can follow Kevin oh, yeah, on Twitter. You can follow at me on Twitter
1: at K2 underscore Rocky. I still haven't tweeted anything from our last podcast. That's fine. <laughs>
0: Put him there. You can follow me on Twitter at King hs. And Crug, do you have anything you'd like to shout out? Any social medias? Any uh, you read any good books lately? Any just anything at all you <laughs> want to shout out?
2: Um I guess I have a Twitter and a let's see facebook twitter instagram instagram is i think tasha chance 26 or tasha fierce because you know beyonce (laughs) 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 but i think those are my main socials Cool. I've we'll lied.
1: Play. I've lied. I tweeted once since our last show, and it was a really important tweet ah. that I'm gonna share because it's inspirational. Good. It's not even my own original it words. It's, it's a quote. It's a Shay serrano tweet that ah, he says pretty go. much once every three months. He tweets something to the effect of help someone else get a W. I promise it's not gonna take away from your W's.
2: Nice. That's
0: a good note to conclude on.
2: It's like a W by proxy.
1: Wumbo. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
2: Bye.